Good morning, everyone. My name is Errol, and this morning, as part of our interregnum series of talks on Meet This Person from the Bible, who you may not know much about, I'd like to talk to you about Abigail, and especially her role as a peacemaker. Her story is long, so thank you for your patience in listening to it, and an especial thank you to our readers, Janet and Adrian, for bringing it to life for us. And because it was long, I will try to be short. Yesterday, I attended a very moving service at Southwark Cathedral to mark the 70th anniversary of the arrival of Empire Windrush. The cathedral was jam-packed. During the service, an icon by our own Meg Rowe was dedicated, a copy of this icon, which I hope you can all see, with different faces, faces from their own community. And if you look at the icon carefully, you'll see that a place has been left there for you, the onlooker, to join the table. There is a place at the table for you. In many ways, this icon sums up what I would like to draw out of Abigail's story today. It's a complex story, many levels, and there are many strands one could pull out. But today, I'd like to approach it through this icon. And if at any point you switch off, perhaps you might like to look at the icon. The icon shows us a table of inclusion, not exclusion. A table where all are invited and none are turned away. The story of Abraham and Sarah's welcome of the strangers at their table shown here is a model of hospitality. Today's story, in contrast, starts with an example of inhospitality and shows us some of the problems that can flow from that, then moves through Abigail's intervention to a renewed place of hospitality. The crisis in this story arises when Nabal refuses David and his men a share in the annual shearing feast, a high point of the, the agrarian year, which they feel they've earned. And even if they hasn't, hospitality is the custom at this feast. But instead of receiving a welcome, Nabal slams the door. He sends David's men back with a flea in their ear, and David reacts badly. He's so incensed that as soon as he hears what's happened, he sets off with a large armed band to kill every man in Nabal's household. And although it's unlikely that we'd be killed if we acted in a similarly hostile fashion towards those who look to us for a welcome, and we don't give it, there can be no doubt that it serves no good purpose to exclude anyone from a fair share of the resources of this world, but especially people with a history of exclusion, people who may already feel unwelcome, people against whom often unthinkingly artificial barriers have been constructed. It can cause real resentment, and if the resentment becomes explosive, as in this case, it can cause a mess, the sort of mess that leads to wars. And then someone 
has to try and fix it. Much of today's story is about how Abigail goes about fixing the mess caused when her husband, Nabal, slams the door on David. She finds herself caught between two men who've drawn up enemy lines. Neither sees the other as a human being. It's war. And the two sides are unevenly matched. A band of armed men versus a farming household. I hesitate to draw analogies in our world today, but I'm sure you can think of some. I wonder what you would have done in Abigail's shoes. What would you have done? Well, here's what she did. Long ago and far away, but for all that, once you get past the Old Testament language, perhaps there is something in what she did that might strike a chord in us today. And it's worth bearing in mind that it was a moment of extreme danger for Abigail when she rode out with only some donkeys laden with food, led by servants between her and an armed band of hungry, angry men. Put her own life on the line to try to save her household. Abigail's plan to sort the mess. Recognise a crisis when you're in one. Abigail hurries. Her actions remind us that in a crisis, a sense of urgency is key. The longer we wait, the worse it's likely to get. Actions speak louder than words. Abigail disarms David by throwing herself at his feet and putting the food her husband has refused between herself and David's men. A visible peace offering. She reminds us to make tea, not wars to borrow the Amos Trust slogan. Repair the damage. Abigail offers to take the blame, even though it's not her fault. And she does that in a humble way, always addressing David as my Lord and referring to herself as a maidservant. She gives David back his self-esteem. She reminds us of the power of a simple sorry, of showing humility, of making a move even if we didn't start it. And if the other person can't respond, well, at least we've tried. Walk in the other person's shoes. Abigail sees David is in a difficult place. He's running for his life from Saul at this time. His mentor Samuel has died recently. He's grieving. And he's smarting from being branded a runaway slave by Nabal. He's temporarily lost it. So Abigail helps him to cool down get himself back together, and to be hopeful about his future again. She reminds us to try and see the other person's point of view, to recognise our common humanity, to talk soul to soul, not enemy to enemy. And who knows what might come from that? So she's working towards healing the rift, and then she does what seems to me to be the hardest bit, to complete what she started Abigail seeks a way to help David see his own part in the danger facing her household, his complicity. And along with her quick wits and presence of mind, she uses a range of gifts, the gift of insight. Abigail sees what's hurting David, and she acts to meet his hurt. At the same time, she sees it may not serve him well in the long term, to get stuck in the place he's at. And she encourages him to see the bigger picture. 
and move on. The gift of compassion. She knows that deep down, we're all fragile, breakable, jars of clay to be handled with care. And that we all do things we wish we hadn't sometimes, but that doesn't make us bad. Often it's a signpost that we're going through a bad patch. She has the gift of counselling. Abigail seems to know how to help someone refind their way, refind their own way back to a place we might call home. And that's it. Abigail's peace plan. That's what she does to fix the mess. And David hears her and sends her home in peace. And it's a lot, isn't it? When things get messy, they get complicated. But I hope you'll agree with me that what Abigail does is the way of a peacemaker, and that she was a courageous and a wise woman, a possible model for us all, male or female, if we get caught up in the kind of conflict she had to step into. I haven't tried to draw out of her story things we could apply to our own lives or in our wider culture, except in the broadest terms, because we're all different. We're all at different stages, and we'll all find what serves us now from her story. And if you've been looking at Meg's icon for a while now, you might like to know that this talk is coming to an end. And I'll end by returning to the place where I started, the icon. And the place at the table which this icon offers each of us. Because for me, Abigail is all about inclusion. A woman whose motto might have been, all mine are yours and yours are mine. As we come to our own table, where unlike David and his men, all are welcome and none are turned away. A table of inclusion. And especially if you come today, facing something that fills you with dread, I pray that it may be a place for you of reconciliation or peace. Because at God's table, there is always a place for each of us. All we have to do is turn up at the feast. Thank you.